The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello, my name is Lawrence Brooks. Welcome back to the Who Ball Mavericks podcast. It has been a long break. It has been a long off season. I know you guys are ready for basketball, and so are we, which is why we're back. I had to do it. Had to get back in here. Um, I'm fired up for the season. I'm ready to go. But as I am ready to go, I brought I brought somebody with me. I figured we'd have a little more company this season. Someone who is who is well known in the podcast community, especially amongst all hootball family. Um, my guy Corbin, my guy Corbin, he runs Round Ball Ramble, um, one of the most beloved podcasts on the hootball network. Corbin, how are you, man? Wow, bro, those are kind words. I, I'm good, bro. I'm happy to be connecting with you here. You know, you're my guy. Uh, it was a great show. Happy to be able to help out in this and and follow a crazy season. So I I am excited. I am yeah. the season's coming right up, bro. Man, it's it's here. It's, I, I feel like it's here. I mean, I, I, I love football, but basketball is definitely uh, something that I've been missing, especially on the NBA side. So I'm ready to get started. Um, but before we get going, um, with all these sports going on, I mean, we got baseball going on. We got football going on. And, of course, basketball will be back. But let's not forget, we got WNBA playoffs, which is amazing. Love the women's game. Love how they're playing right now. Um, a little sad about my Seattle Storm, but we'll save that for another day. Um, whenever <laughs> we start this podcast, people have been asking me for betting tips. I always get asked, you know, who you got, Lakers or Clippers, Brady or Mahomes. And I tell them, I tell them where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's rep is rock solid, and they've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle my NBA-related bets. One sportsbook guaranteed to give me the best lines for college football on Saturdays, NBA, um, WNBA playoffs, and everything in between. And you know me. I don't give my stamp of approval easily. To earn it, you've got to be the best at what you do, and my book is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up sign up in a promo code HoopBall and get your deposit matched way halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to my book if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. I mean, we are here. So, Corbin, as it pertains to these Dallas Mavericks, and like I told you guys, there was nobody I could think of to bring on other than my guy Corbin, who was a NBA fanatic, someone who's great company. And ever since I've known him, we've just had great chemistry. It almost sounds like dating, right? But it, <laughs> but it actually works out. You know, you meet people and they're just great. And, you know, you strike up conversation. And we had a conversation about, Hey, when the Dallas Mavericks, you know, when the season starts back, how about you hop on the Mavericks podcast? And you've been more than welcome to come on. And uh, and it's a pleasure to have you. So let's get right into it, man. First things first. Training camp starts on Tuesday. We know the season is around the corner. Obviously, first game is going to be on October 6th against the Jazz. For you, what are some of the things that you might be looking forward to or, or you know, for training camp, what are some developments you'd like to see or anything you'd like to see for them throughout this um, preseason? I, I think just having a unified front, 
Lawrence. I think, you know, this team has obviously been one of transition, you know. Um, you they had from the tough first round loss they had, they were up 2-0, you know, went down to seven against the Los Angeles Clippers. They went down. Then you had, of course, the athletic piece on the state of the franchise and the front office. Then you quickly had, you know, um the departures of both Donnie Nelson and Rick Carlisle. And now you're in a position where you have a new coach, a new general manager. Uh, you had some new pieces around Luka Doncic, who you managed to retain long-term, um, which, I mean, he wasn't turned down that extension, but the deed is still done. That's still an accomplishment. And when you look at that, I, I kind of want to see after this season, of tra- after this off-season transition, are the Mavericks in a place where they can move forward in a positive direction and say, okay, let's build off of what we have right now. Let's build off of what's been done with the additions we made on the roster and see what happens in the Western Conference. That's kind of for grabs. Absolutely. I, you know, for me, for me, I definitely want to see a couple of things. Well, as it pertains to preseason, I mean, I know what I'm going to get from Luca. I'm sure, you know, Porzingis is going to be a big part of what they do moving forward as they're, you know, quote unquote, um, you know, Robin of the team, so to speak. And then obviously you have Tim Hardaway Jr. who rounds out their uh, whatever you want to call their version of a big three. But a guy that I talked about a lot last year was Josh Green. And they took him in the first round. He's he's easily their most athletic player. He plays on the wing. He was brought in, you know, he was kind of he was kind of flagged for his defense, so to speak. You know, even coming out of college, he shot the corner three well, but he was someone they viewed that could come in defend bigger wings and be a big guard for them that can play out on the wing. So I'm hoping that he's more integrated into what they do. Obviously, Carlisle, you know, he he doesn't really play young guys a lot. So it was kind of to be expected, although most of us as Maverick fans wanted to see him somehow implemented into their rotation. But, you know, as a rookie, it's tough. It's a big transition. There's a lot to learn, the physicality of the game, speed, the whole nine. Um, and so last year was more of more of a, a, a sit and watch situation. But I'm hoping throughout this preseason and as they get going in the training camp, he's someone that has that is being more implemented into what they do, because I think he can he can really help those guys. What do you see from Josh Green? Are you, are you feeling like I'm feeling like you want to see him in there? Are you not a fan? Do you not think that he's a guy that they can use moving forward? What's your view on Josh Green? No, I, I think that Green is definitely a, a guy who could fit in. I think he would have been of much better. Uh, fit over the postseason, especially when the Clippers went small ball, kind of had Porzingis out in space where he wasn't really effective, kind of marginalized him on the offensive end as well. I think if Rick Carla was a little more versatile in his style of play, utilizing these guys and maybe, um, you know, getting someone like Josh Green, who is 6'5", but has a nice build, that it would have stood a better chance to match up with the Clippers. So I'm definitely a fan of his. Again, we didn't really see a whole lot of him. Like it was, he had five starts in the season, but Like you said, he definitely could have gotten a lot more run than he did, um, given the Mavericks' needs last season. So you hope that with um, Jason Kidd here that he utilizes some more of this young talent. And I I think there's room for him. I think as we kind of go down the roster, you still have guys, you know, um, like uh, Reggie Bullock, like uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, these returning guys that are Sterling Brown as well, um, newer guys here. But there's room for Green to make an impact. And it's not like he's not familiar with the Mavericks organization. It may be, albeit a, a different system with Kidd in place of Carlisle. Absolutely. Um, and as we're speaking about personnel and, you know, just the roster in general. Um, so 
I'll go over some of the some of their offseason acquisitions, some of the notable guys. Um, you know, they'll be in they'll be involved in in the play in in the scheme in some shape, form, or fashion. How much they play and how involved they are will det- will be determined by by their play level, obviously. But you got Moses Brown, who was picked up in the Josh Richardson trade, a guy who came over. He was traded to Boston, but he played with the Thunder a lot last year, averaging 8.6 points per game, 8.9 rebounds, and one block. And that was over 43 games. And he's a guy who can really um, protect the rim, a guy who's a rebounder. And anybody who's been following the Mavericks know that they were they had trouble defending the rim, and they weren't the greatest of rebounding teams, although – you know, they did it as a collective bunch, but they didn't have anyone that's that their calling card is to rebound the basketball. So I think that he can be a significant piece in in a sense that he actually brings something to the table that he can consistently do every night and something that the Mavericks needed. Moses Brown, as you know, and I know you keep your eyes on everyone around the league. Do you see him as someone that can fit in with this team and someone that can be a contributor? I do. I like Moses Brown. Like you said, watching him um, a little bit in OKC, he played uh, more than more than thirty games there, and he did have the impact as an energy big who could finish around the rim, um, has a immense size, and just learning how to kind of utilize that. And in OKC, you know, he was kind of just put out there to um, just to, to just grow on the fly. We we know where the Thunder are in terms of development, but um, he turns twenty two. He had eight points and eight rebounds in just under 20 minutes, just over 20 minutes per game last season. Like, that's tremendous production um, from a 21-year-old in limited minutes. So get him in a situation in Dallas where they can utilize that. We've seen the Dallas Mavericks as a franchise make great um, great players out of rim-running bigs. I mean, we saw it to great effect with Tyson Chandler. I mean, even Nerlens Noel, who didn't have the best time in Dallas, did have a decent stand, at least initially, um, just sticking to that type of archetype as a player. So I definitely see Mose Brown as this uh, almost a blank canvas. I mean, he is a young guy, you know, that you can kind of shape form to make a, a lethal uh, pick-and-roll combination alongside Luka Doncic and see what other, what other um, developments he has in the skill set. We don't know if right now just a, a, a rolling big and defensive presence is all that Moses Brown can be. 100% agree. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how he fits. I know mm-hmm. they still have Willie Colley-Stein and Maxi Kleba, um, Dwight Powell. They have a lot of these guys who were here last year but I think he's a, a person who can be inserted into the um, into the rotation and give some valuable minutes. So hopefully, so hopefully um, he catches Jason Kidd's eye and he's not in a doghouse or not playing because you know a lot of guys don't play for a variety of reasons that some we never find out. But I'm hoping mm-hmm. that he's not buried on the bench and not able to play. So um, so we got him, Sterling Brown, Reggie Bullock, and Frank Nitlakina. So, mm-hmm. Sterling, Brown, Sterling Brown, um, wing depth, obviously, a guy who can, I, I think we can say that he can defend to some degree. Um, he can knock down shots to some degree, not necessarily like a Reggie Bullock, but I think both of those guys have the opportunities to contribute, most notably Reggie Bullock. We'll get to Frank in a minute, but what are your thoughts on Reggie and Sterling um, making an impression on this team? I mean, if you look at what Dallas needed, it, it was a lot of three-point shooting, right? I mean, you had, uh, of course, just a, a transcendent season from Tim Hardaway Jr. And Dorian Finney-Smith also set career, career highs in both three-point field goals made and three-point field goal percentage last year. But um, 
for Tim Hardaway Jr., you just need more than just his production. And although Dorian Finney-Smith is improving from that, really making himself into that quote-unquote 3 and D player, like the three part of his game is still growing. Like you don't want to just bank on that, you know? So I think that the franchise really did a great job of bringing in guys who actually bring that three-point shooting with them. They tried to improve their three-point shooting. They probably took a cue at how Sylvania played in the Olympics by surrounding Doncic with guys who could just snipe from outside. And so you bring the guy in Reggie Bullock, He's a career 39% three-point shooter. He shot 41% from three last year. Uh, Sterling Brown, and mind you, he is on his third team in as many years, but he shot a career-high 42% from three last year with the three-point happy rocket. So you are getting guys that can shoot the three, play decent defense, and most notably will provide the space in the Doncic's needs that's probably more reliable than what the Mavericks had to try out last season. Yeah, I you know, and and I I second that as well. I for me, I was hoping, and I didn't know where it was going to come from or how it was going to materialize, but I was hoping they'd find a secondary playmaker somehow, somewhere yes. this offseason. Because mm-hmm. obviously, with Luca having so much offensive responsibility, especially on ball, I mean, he was his usage rate was at thirty five percent, which is the second highest of all NBA players last season. And I just think throughout an eighty two game season, it's grueling. It's the West. You're playing against a, a marquee franchise guard every single night. Not only does he have, you know, the responsibility of scoring, but it's also facilitating. And if he if he has the time, they would like for him to stay in front of people as well. And, and that's just a talk <laughs> for, for anybody. But if you're not going to get that, then obviously, you know, you want to bolster what you have been doing all along, which is spreading the floor. And that's what these guys will provide. So if you, if it's so-called, you know, making your strength even stronger, then so be it. Um, maybe that will be just as beneficial as having a secondary playmaker. But even if it's not, I don't think they have a choice anymore because now the season is here and, and your roster is your roster unless you make some miraculous moves before we get going. Um, so Frank Nick Nitlikina, <laughs> you got uh, it. You getting it? <laughs> <laughs> a little tongue twisted tonight, but um, but as so he was a late late addition to the roster. Um, they already have Jalen Brown. I'm, I mean, excuse me, Jalen Brunson. Obviously, Luca's gonna play a ton of minutes. You got Trey Burke on the roster. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. will have some ball responsibilities to some degree. Do you see Frank fitting in as? As a guy coming off the bench, do you think there's minutes for him? I know he's supposed to be a defender, which is valuable on this team because they need as, as much perimeter defending as possible. That was something that was a weak spot for them last year. Do you think he can get some minutes this year with the Mavs? I do. I think with Frank, you're probably not getting a, a traditional point guard in that sense, but you're getting someone who, I, in my opinion, plays more like a wing. You know, he's a defensive guy. just makes great use of his length and wingspan and just defensive intensity there um, to be a kind of a lock that he's been able to put to good effect over the Knicks. He's just had a, I want to say an up and down kind of year. Um, Just be, I mean, up and down kind of tenure so far with the Knicks, because, you know, when you're drafted at least where he was, um, eighth overall, it was a lot more expected than a guy who, you know, for his career averaged five points, two rebounds, and two assists per game. Um, the good news is three-point shot seems to be on the uptick. Uh, he's a career 32% shooter, but he did shoot a blistering 47% from three last year. Now, the numbers, it really only takes more than a peak to look and see that he only took 
48 three-pointers. So very small sample size. But I think if he's someone who can just soak up even a little bit of usage in terms of getting the Mavericks into their sets, I don't see someone in the NBA who's been a dynamic playmaker in Nilakina or someone who can consistently create any offense of his own. But if he's able to, like, you know, get the ball to Porzingis, you know, penetrate, get to some spot-up shooters, and then make a spot-up three or, or two every once in a while alongside Luka Doncic in the minutes he plays, um, I think he can kind of slot in alongside him in situational matchups as the better um, guard defender. Uh, that, you know, the Mavericks didn't really have. They kind of used more of their wings on those guards and try to get Luka on a more favorable matchup. Well, now you kind of have a guard-sized defender who's still just big enough with just enough length to really cause them issues at 6'4", but also, like, comfortable enough to kind of stay out the way alongside Luca. Yeah, yeah, and, and and the biggest thing is is they have bodies to throw at people. I mean, especially if you can get Josh Green inserted into the rotation, Frank in the rotation, obviously Luca's going to play. Um, Tim Hardaway's not, you know, he's not a liability defensively. Reggie Bullock is a, is a solid 3 and D guy. He's been, you know, extremely valuable over the last few years, even though he's hopped on different teams. But mm-hmm. he, continue, he continues to find work because of what he brings to the table. So at the very least, it would seem as if right now in the early stages, they have bodies that they can throw at people. And that's just something you would like to have a surplus of bodies, especially in the West where, you know, so many teams are, are playing so many guards. And, and as we get more and more into this positionless basketball, it's even more important and imperative to have uh, long, versatile wings that can guard multiple uh I mean, guard multiple positions mm-hmm. and are able to um, handle the ball at the same time. So, at the very least, it creates value in that sense. Oh yeah, Lawrence. Uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Say, uh, okay, I do agree with you though. Like the lack of, I guess, awareness of getting a secondary ball handler was something you pointed out and something I wholeheartedly agree with. Because when you look at this team, uh, for guys, and you mentioned one of the strengths the Mavericks have right now is a lot of plug and play guys that can play sort of the same type of interchangeable shooting guard slash wing position, right? But Mm -hmm. that point guard spot, I mean, Luka Doncic isn't a traditional point guard. He's the main offensive initiator in this position like tight basketball. But when you look at guys on this roster, just without any position, who can just reliably create shots for themselves and others, I mean, bro, that that list is pretty short. You know, you got got Luka, of course. And then I guess you could say Jalen Brunson had a big year last year, um, what, 12 points, uh, just under four assists. Uh, three rebounds a game, and 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 he was a solid backup, and he even started some too. But that's still not enough. And then after that, I mean, Trey Burke is still on that roster, but like his numbers have been dropping since he came to Dallas, and like that's literally end of the list. Like if anyone else is kind of initiating the offense, are are you, do you even feel comfortable with that? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, I like I say, I I think having the surplus of bodies helps mm-hmm. how they can fit on a nightly basis. I think will be, you know, it'll be based on game script. Basically, you know, what do they need on on that night? Is it more? Is it more? Um, you know, do they need more scoring coming off the bench? Then obviously you're going to bring in a Trey Burke, you know, sparingly. Um, and then you also have Jalen Brunson coming back, who had an excellent year off the bench. He's going to be a very big part of what they do. But then, yeah. you know, if they're having trouble with defending guys or you need to get you need to get Luca off of the ball on whoever's being defended. then maybe, you you know, you throw Frank at him to hound him for a few minutes. I, I think that that can create value in the sense that now you have guys that can fit multiple um, multiple scenarios on the floor. So if you can bring so if you can have those type of guys that can fit different scenarios that you need, 
then, you know, I guess that's another way to go about it because, you know, it, it's a lot of games. There's a lot of wear and tear. Hopefully the COVID thing doesn't creep up as much this year. But, you know, as we saw last year, having having depth is a big deal, especially the first 50 to 60 games. As you get more towards the playoffs and the and the rotation short, and then it won't matter. But to really get off to a good start, you need everyone on deck and you never know when a number might be called. And so you need as many quality bodies as possible. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, so last year, Mavericks went 42 and 30, finished fifth in the West. And this is also considering they dealt with a ton of COVID situations. They dealt with a ton of injury. Uh, you have Porzingis, who was inconsistent because he's trying to um, manage an injury that he had. There's a lot of I don't know how factual it is. I know we can all do the eye test, but we don't know for a fact how much Luca was out of shape and had to play himself into shape. We know it was a short offseason, so there was a lot of stuff going on. And with all that being said, after February, they had a top five record in the entire NBA. They finally caught their stride and got going. So, you know, it leads one to believe, you know, maybe there's room for improvement, maybe not for a championship. I think that's another conversation that we can um, touch on. But just in general, knowing that they went 42 and 30 last year, what are your thoughts on how can they improve on last year's fifth place finish? Honestly, you're looking at internal development. I think that's kind of the big thing. Uh, Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown can only do so much. I think we both agree on that, bro, in terms of being guys who can, you know, be a transformative presence on this team. Uh, they're just hopefully going to better equip the supporting cast of Gadotich, right? The guy, listen, 27 points per game, eight assists, eight rebounds, all NBA first team for the second season in a row. I mean, we can go on and on. I mean, he's had... It improved shot selection, I think. He definitely improved his field goal and three-point percentage. Uh, only thing I'd really like to look at him to improve is free throw shooting, really. But, like, and whatever he can bring on the defensive end. But if you can get more from Luka, I mean, which is crazy to say, but the dude is so young and already doing so much, I look at that as point number one. Point number two, Christoph Porzingis, man. I mean, I'm a native New Yorker. You know, having him out as a Nick, I, I feel like his best basketball was there. Since he's been in Dallas, he's been all right, but he hasn't been, like, the second guy, you know, he was looked at as like the second guy, like a like one and a one A, like one and one B rather. And no, it's a real one and two. And he's on the two, but that's because everyone else is just not anywhere near that level. And so I really want Kristaps to improve because his regular season, you know, twenty points per game, just under nine rebounds and a, and, a, and just over a block, like that's great, right? But at the same time, I mean. In the playoffs, although he didn't miss any games, and his numbers increased, his production dropped. Like, he went down seven points a game. He went down three rebounds, and he didn't even average a block per game. And so, when you're looking at that, I mean, the dude's yet to average uh, two assists per game. The guy's only once averaged more than nine rebounds. Um, he's a solid three-point shooter, but, like, his field goal percentage isn't super great. Like, when you look at all of that, I mean, <laughs> there's room for improvement right there. I think if you're going to have Chris Stops really step up and be like that, okay, sure, fire. I am right alongside Luca. I'm not as good as Luca, but I'm like that second guy. Then I think the rest will follow, and it won't just be Luca and the and the Mavericks. It'll be Luca, Kristaps, and, and more of a fully fleshed out team. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I and I, I'm I've been really hard on on Porzingis, but I've also been really supportive. And I I honestly feel like for him, it's really just about staying healthy enough to develop. Because I feel like if you're always rehabbing 
when are you progressing? When are you getting better? When are you True. able to work on things that will help you get better? So I'm hoping that this offseason, which is the first healthy offseason he's had in a few years, he was really able to get in the gym and work on his body, work on his game and really try to expand his game because we know he can, you know, we know he can pick and pop. We know he can actually, you know, make moves off the dribble if he has, you know, a clear runway. We know that he can put it on the deck a little bit, which is why, you know, so many people call him the unicorn with his ability to stretch the floor while also protecting the rim. But he struggled laterally last year. I don't know how well he was in, how much shape he was in. And it just it just looked like a year of a guy playing catch up. And so I'm hoping that this offseason brought a ton of um, opportunity for him to really get in the gym and really develop because it's hard to develop when you're always nursing and rehabbing an injury. And I think that will be a big, big boost to their season. If they can get a guy that's closer to 24 and 11 than a guy who's 20 and nine a night, because they'll, they'll really need it. It'll really be beneficial. And Luca won't have to shoulder so much of the load if they can get what they need out of him, because towards the end of the season, he was almost um, just used as a spot up shooter. Like that's where it was. And I don't know if it was a fractured relationship with Carlisle. I know him and Luca had their differences. And apparently Porzingis felt as if he was healthy and he was just being misused. So my hope is that he's used properly this year. I think he he's multidimensional. Use him on the blow block. Use him free throw line and extend it. Use him at the three point line, which he's going to do that anyway. And obviously, those two guys as a pick and roll combo is just deadly. So, I'm with you. Internal development, specifically Porzingis, because I think this is a big year for him to show if he's really a star or if he's just a comp a high end complimentary piece. Oh yeah, I mean, let's just face it. The reality situation is he's 26. You know, like this is what you're gonna get, gonna get, <laughs> gonna be entering your prime or figuring out what that is. So like. If it doesn't happen now, I mean, maybe this is it, and that's fine. But like the Mavericks need to know that, and then you know make peace with that and the contract he's on, and next steps from there. So yeah, it's time to time to really let that work show itself off, you know, or put that work in to really be that guy. And like you said, you know, twenty and nine, you know, twenty twenty three and thirteen, whatever the case may be. Now, mind you, I'm not obviously an NBA player or anything, but it's not that much of an uptick in production at least as the numbers say, you know, just a couple more baskets and being just more aggressive. And you mentioned a variety of factors, Lawrence, why uh, he wasn't in that situation. Maybe it was, like you said, tension with Luca, tension with, with Carlisle, tension being the word. But, you know, this year, fresh start. That's how you used to look at it because it's make or break time. It's really getting close to that for Chris Tops. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, Jason Kidd's already come out and talked about how he, he plans to you know, use use Porzingis a little more. And so probably won't see a ton of that in the preseason because not a lot of the stars play minutes in the preseason. It doesn't mean a, a, a lot, but I'm really going to be looking forward to seeing the early, you know, part of the season to see how they get him established, especially the first uh, 20 games. Um, speaking of Porzingis, um, and obviously with, with Luca, we know Luca, he's the star of the team. I mean, the ESPN list came out for you know, 100 best players. He was fourth on the list. And he's clearly one of the faces of the league. For him, and 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 I, I feel like an improvement for him can be obviously at the free throw line where he was a little inconsistent, or I should, I, I'm being kind by saying <laughs> a little inconsistent. Yeah. 
Um, but also for him, I think that being in, in tip top shape is something else that that will help him. Um, for you, what do you see that Luca can and should improve on? That can, I mean, obviously, as he's just in, the, he's the elite of the elite. I mean, he's we're talking about him with all the upper echelon superstars in the NBA. So at this point, we're we're nitpicking a little bit. But if but from you looking at Luca play, looking at this Dallas Mavericks team, what are some things that you see that he should or could improve on that can help the Mavericks? Maybe I think, and a lot of this comes down to his personal like stamina. Um, and really just getting his conditioning right in that sense. But because of the heavy load he has to play, you know, upping it from the type of conditioning level that he's at as a main star with a high usage that has to play a lot of minutes for a team from, like, the Luka Doncic level to maybe more of a James Harden level with, like, the hope being a LeBron James, where they they maintain such a steady conditioning that, like, there's not a clear drop-off. I mean, the playoffs, the story was told just how strong Luka was you know, the first two quarters and how much he fizzled down the stretch, where all he had really was that step back three. And even the free throw line wasn't a great consolation to him because he wasn't that great of a free throw shooter. He's just like LeBron, kind of average there. But one thing LeBron and, and I think James Harden has made improvements on is that they've been able to just keep themselves on the floor while not overtaxing themselves, knowing that, yes, they're going to have to soak up a lot of usage. They have a large role in that end. And on the defensive end, they can't be just total – like, they can't be total – um. You know, just just I don't even know the word to say. I was trying to say it, but they can't even they can't just be total giveaways on the other end. Like they mm-hmm. have to maintain a steady defensive presence on one side and know that they're going to have to orchestrate a high, a large volume of their team's offense. And to do that, I think for Luca, he's done it so well so far. But in order for him to kind of prevent these like catastrophic seismic changes in his level of play, you know, between the first half and the second half, just really getting himself uh, in better tune with his own conditioning in terms of game performance and and how he can attack and yet still conserve energy here and there, little pockets that he can then utilize for maximum effectiveness when his team needs it. Where in the past, we've seen the Mavericks need one big shot, they get the ball to a tired Luka, they try to hunt for a switch, and he's too tired, all he can do, you know, ISO and sit on that, on that, you know, step back Jay. And fortunately, he's skilled enough to get that off even when they know it's coming. But the defenders still, since they know it's coming, can impact it enough that it doesn't go in. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he can improve defensively, that will help oh. in, a, in an extreme <laughs> amount. And I, I mean, it's unfair bro. for me to to ask him to improve defensively just because of all the overall responsibility he has. And he wasn't a liability defensively, obviously. You know, he left some some, you know, some opportunities out there on the floor. But all in all, I I considered him to be, you know, an average level defender. His man's not going crazy on him. He's not just, you know, olaying guys, letting them just get to the basket. He was actually putting forth effort defensively on a nightly basis. And, And as the leader of the team, it speaks volumes when you set the tone like he did some nights. And obviously, I know some nights are better than others just from an energy uh, standpoint. But he seems to be a willing defender. He doesn't seem to be a guy who just is going to dog it on that end. Yeah. No, I definitely look at him as someone who's just going to give up. Like, again, bringing up James Harden comparisons. But what is one thing that people used to t- constantly dog Harden about, you know, early in his career? Absolutely. It was just his lackadaisical awareness on defensive end, near barely caring. No one says that about Luka. But like you said, that's that's it's not even an elephant in the room. It's something that he can definitely clearly improve on. And if he did... 
I mean, that'd be great, even just for his position. You know what I mean? Giving mm-hmm. him enough that he's not being targeted um, or enough that you look at him as like, at least a net neutral. Right now, I'd say he's below average, but like not by much. But if he's a positive defender, oh, yeah, that unlocks so much more. And again, I think it comes back to just being, you know, not just conditioning on that end as well, because, you know, defensively, most of these offensive guys are going to take their breaks there. But but just having that level of play, knowing that the Mavericks are starting to aspire higher in this Western Conference. Absolutely. And um, so so lastly, before we before we get out of here, so I, I looked up the Vegas projections for the amount of wins that they have down for the Mavericks. And at, at the moment, it's forty eight point five um, for you. So I was so I was saying my my number was about fifty one. Mm-hmm. Do you have the Mavericks over or under fifty wins? Just your roundabout guesstimate before we get started on the season. Ooh, that is a good one. Uh, when I first even initially heard that, I was trying to think this back and forth. I have them. I'm changing my mind again. I have them just under. I'm gonna say 50 wins. Uh, I think that this Maverick squad, this Western Conference is relatively wide open. You know, at the top, I think you look at a team like the Lakers, just because when you have LeBron AD, you're already there. You look at the defending um, runner-ups of the. Phoenix Suns, you look at the Utah Jazz, who were very good, you know, Western um, Western Conference teams. They were, the Suns and the Jazz were what, one and, or, yeah, the Suns and Jazz were one and two, you know? So you look at those squads there, or no, two, uh, yeah, Jazz was one, the Suns were two. But basically, you put those teams back to the top, that's three, Lakers, Suns, Jazz. Everything else is kind of open. And the reason why, the Clippers, no Kawhi. You know, the Nuggets, first full season without Jamal Murray. So those teams are in question. Although they're still a strong team, where they land is kind of up in the air. And that's where the Mavericks slot in. They pretty much have the same continuity. No major changes. I mean, let's consider Josh Richardson uh, a super huge loss, you know. Um, you can kind of bank on some internal development. Uh, hope that, again, you have a rejuvenated Christophe Porzingis and that these new arrivals do well. I'm not going over 50 just because, uh, like, what is the 50 win baseline? You know what I mean? Like, I see them between, like, 47 and 50, but if I'm looking at the Lakers as, like, 53, which I am, and I'm looking at the Suns and Jazz, like, hovering just under that, I think we put the Mavericks probably four, and I think they're, like, just under personally. Got it. Um, yeah, no, and I think I think that's just me. I might be just a little excited about the season and, hey, and looking at what they did thing. back here, having 42 wins. And I mean, in in some in a lot of respects, they got a late start just because of all the injury, turmoil, COVID, everything they were dealing with to start the season. They just had a really rough start. And so I'm thinking to myself, if you can get 42 wins, if you can squeeze 42 wins out of last season, I feel like if you get an improved Porzingis. Um, you got you obviously got your your main nucleus back. I feel like everyone takes a step forward. I feel like they can squeak out even if it's 50 wins. But I'll say that for now. We'll revisit it before the season officially kicks off. And I'll give you my um, my final prediction and we'll we'll I'll, I'll hold myself to it and you can hold me to it as well. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, I'm with it. I'm all on that. <laughs> So, uh, so again, the Mavericks start, you know, next weekend they have on October 6th, they have the jazz first preseason game. Um, training camp starts on Tuesday. They'll have media day. I'll make some notes from that. We'll come back and revisit some of those things. Um, and most notably, we'll probably come back after the preseason game just to kind of talk about how training camp has gone so far and, and give kind of an overview of what we are seeing as we, as we move along. But again, um, Corbin, it is a pleasure. 
Um, happy to have you this season on the Mavericks podcast, and I promise you guys are going to love it. Um, I, I told you we'd bring some company. We'll have some guests, but Corbin will be a more frequent guest for us because we love what he does with the hoop ball um, family, and he has offered his services to us as a guy who has um, become a friend of mine, and I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much, man. Right back at you, bro. I'm I'm pumped. Not only to be doing this with you, man, just going at it, but just to kind of experience another great season. We both love this game, and here's another chance for us to be up with it, you know? So thank you again for the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, and where can everyone find you? What are the other podcasts you're on? Let people know. I appreciate that, man. So you can definitely find me I'm on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. Of course, you already know we're all part of the Hoopball Network, so definitely check us out there. Um, aside from that, uh, I am co-host of the Duncan Dynasty podcast, so definitely check that out at Duncan Dynasty. And I even have been doing some stuff with um, Gen Z Magic. So it's a new uh, Magic kind of focus show that's been dropping, so we're going to have that too. I I'm just trying to do just what Lawrence is, man. We're trying to grind out here. <laughs> we're trying to get our names out, get our content out, and, and that's what this year is all about. So I'm I'm hoping to be around, man. Definitely appreciate this. And, uh, yeah, at Corbin NBA on Twitter, uh, any round ball ramblings, <laughs> so you'll see that. Absolutely. And uh, and you guys all know, thank you for everyone that's been um, downloading the podcast. Thank you. Please subscribe. Leave a five star review or leave a two star review. Tell me what we need to do differently or better. I, I take all information in and consider it. But I just appreciate you riding with us again. My name is Lawrence Brooks. You can catch me on Twitter. That's at LB said it is LB. S-A-I-D-I-T. And please follow us at Hootball Mavs. That's Hootball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-M-A-V-S. We will be back soon. I know you guys are excited for the season. Let's get going. We back. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.